0: Of a tale to tell I hope you'll follow, of a legend born in Sleepy Hollow, a headless horseman rode through the night on a great black steed with a pumpkin bright. <coughs> You if you dare to step aboard, because in tonight's episode, you are the star, and this elevator
1: travels directly no to...
2: Ladies and gentlemen, bats and ghouls, Mickey, Minnie, and all their friends have come together at this spookiest time of year to say boo to you as
3: they proudly present... WDW Radio, your information
1: station. Hello everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 194 for the week of October 31st, 2010. An important part of your Walt Disney World vacation experience depends on when you visit the resort, as throughout the year, there are numerous special events spanning a variety of interests and themes. One of the most popular has been the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, now celebrating its 15th year. This week, we'll recap the event on our roundtable and discuss and review the event as a whole, as it goes far beyond just sampling foods from around the world in the kiosks of World Showcase. We'll talk about some of the other experiences available to guests, our third annual WDW Radio Walkabout, as well as the first annual Wine and Dine Half Marathon and post-race party in World Showcase. I'll tell you about a new weekly offering from WDW Radio beyond the podcast and videos and something that you can be an integral and interactive part of as I launch the all-new WDW Newscast. I'll have some more announcements, and then play some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Depending on when you visit Walt Disney World, your experience can and will be very different. And I don't just mean braving the summer heat and humidity versus going in the winter, but rather about things going on in and around the parks that are going to change and enhance your time spent in the true vacation kingdom of the world. From holiday decorations to special events, ranging from flowers and gardens, to art festivals, athletic events. Um, Even now, there's a Magic Kingdom that's made a little special and spooky for Halloween. There's something that can and will appeal to everyone. And for 15 years, one of the most popular, longest, and certainly most anticipated special events has been the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. This year, they celebrated those 15 years of delicious discoveries In a celebration of culinary delights over 45 days, the event kicked off on October 1st, 2010, and I and many friends, some old, some new, were there to experience, I mean research, the entire event. So I thought this week we would take a look and review the Food and Wine Festival this year with just a few of those friends who are on hand to join us in our adventure. So once again, in no particular order, other than my favorites first, I kid because I love, (laughs) Lori, co-host for the day, Burke. Hi. (laughs) Story time with Mary Jo Collins. Hello. Elisa, I haven't picked out a nickname for you yet, Sharp. Howdy ho. Valerie Drew, longtime friend, and my dining buddy, kitchen sink, and 24-hour show veteran, her husband, the lovely Steve Drew. Hi there. So guys, first, I want to thank you for joining me on the roundtable. I also want to thank you guys for joining me on October 1st for the Food & Wine Festival. It was also our third annual WDW Radio Walkabout, where we brave the uh, the heat and the crowds and the 28 or so kiosks and make our way around the promenade, sampling literally everything in the book, and we'll get to that soon, from each of the kiosks. For us, it was more of a food festival. For others, it was more of a wine festival. But we really tried to concentrate on the food or we would not have made our way <clears throat> very far around. And This week, because that's primarily what the Food & Wine Festival's focus is for a lot of people, I do want to talk about the kiosks and our experience there. But I did also want to mention that there's a lot more to the Food & Wine Festival right from the outset. Now, we didn't experience a lot of it because we literally spent about uh, seven hours, I think it was, wandering the promenade. We keep pushing the time back and back every year, and it still keeps going. Uh, We're finishing just as Illuminations... Get started, and we'll talk about some of these things later on. But there is so much more uh, because there's seminars and there's tasting events and special dinners overseen by Disney chefs and guest chefs. There's about 250 chefs total. Names like Kat Cora, Todd English, Robert Irvine, Andrew Zimmern were there on hand. Uh, La Hacienda just opened. Via Napoli had just opened. There were culinary demonstrations. So it really is more than just sort of opening up the doors to tasting your way around the world. Now, I know for the most part, most of us didn't have a chance to experience a lot of that. But Elisa, this is one of your your big events because you come down for like 43 out of the 45 days. You had a chance to, (laughs) to hit at least one of those, didn't you? I did. I did the Grand Marnier Tasting Like I said, for some, it's more about the wine than the food. But uh, just briefly tell us about that kind of event and what it cost and where it was held, things like that.
4: Well, the Grand Marnier tasting was new this year. That's one of the reasons I wanted to try it. And it was held in uh, the upstairs restaurant in France. Um, I hadn't had an opportunity to eat up there, so I was pretty excited to see the, the venue. And they have a Grand Marnier expert that comes in from... France to give the talk, you sample a couple of Grand Marnier's, you get a uh, mimosa made with Grand Marnier, and then you get a couple of desserts with Grand Marnier. I think this year it was $45. I felt that was a pretty good value. Um, I went to the second one. I saw a review on the first one and was pleased to see that it got a really good review on Deb Will's site. So I would definitely recommend it.
1: Yeah, and it's probably better that you did the second one so you are able to just have your six or seven shots of Grand Marnier and then go back and take a nap. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and yeah, and I'm happy you mentioned that it was new this year. I know last year, again, this year, they did tequila tastings over in Mexico at La Cava de Tequila over in the Mexico Pavilion. That, too, I know, was $45. There were a couple of other new dining experiences. One was the 3D Disney's Dessert Discovery over at World Showcase, and if you are a foodie that concentrates on the desserts, this was one that on on certain Thursday and Friday nights you could sample a lot of desserts and cordials. There was a VIP viewing of Illuminations uh, that ran, I think, probably eight or nine days, and that too was forty five dollars per person. And there was also the first bites opening reception at the uh, Food and Wine Festival. That was at the Welcome Center where there were samples from the marketplace. So the day before the the festival actually got started, you could have gotten a sneak peek. Uh, it was a two-and-a-half-hour event that ran from 6.30 to 9.00. That was $195 per person. I would have been very curious to see what that was. I think the price point was a little high, but I don't know if anybody uh, had a chance to, to sample that. But I think for a lot of people, though, that are foodies... Um, Sometimes the price, you know, you're willing to accept that a little bit because of the special experience that you get. Uh, Elisa, is that sort of what, what you felt as well? You wanted to try something a little bit special this year?
4: Absolutely. Uh, one of the events that I really wanted to try was the uh, Wine View Lounge at Party for the Senses but i couldn't find anybody to go with me.
1: The Hello. price point was over $200. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm waving my hands like horshack over here. <laughs> S-
4: somebody was a little busy that second weekend. Curses. So, <laughs>
1: next year, next year next i promise, year, me definitely. and you and maybe some of the other people here on the round table should go to party for the senses and uh, and do the wine view Lounge. cuz yeah, i hear that's a uh, a spectacular event as well. And again, there, there's so much more than just the kiosks. There's food and wine pairings at places like Tutto Italia and Tokyo Dining, Restaurant Marrakesh. There's cheese seminars. If cheese is your thing, there's wine schools. There's Sweet Sundays where they have pastry chefs come out. World-renowned pastry chefs. So, so much more that goes on. I mean, this really is an event. I mean, it's not just, like I said early on, it's not just about the kiosks and sampling the foods because if you are a true food lover or you want to learn more about cultures and their foods, or how to cook, or how to pair wines, it can very much be a learning experience for you as well. And when I talked about some of those educational opportunities in Walt Disney World, I think I mentioned the Food and Wine uh, Festival is one of those adult-oriented educational opportunities. So you can sort of, you can justify it like that. You're going down, it truly, truly is a research trip for the foodie in all of us. But what I want to do is talk about our walk around, the kiosks, um, the walkabout, and all the different food that we sampled. And I want to ask you guys, because we all have gone for a number of years in the past, sort of overall, um, and maybe I'll I'll start with Valerie and Steve, because you're sort of a collective over there, how you thought this year's Food and Wine Festival compared to previous years that you've gone? Well, we've been
2: doing it for three years now uh, with you, Lou. I find it interesting that there's a lot of the the kiosks that continue to have the same foods. I'd like to see maybe a few more new things. Um, But I do enjoy the new countries that they add every year and um, tasting all the new things that
1: come our way. Did it seem like it it was was, um – bigger smaller more or less crowded was there any sort of change sort of in the way it was laid out with a number of kiosks and things that were on the promenade itself
0: i think it seemed a little more crowded but we're more experienced of dealing with it now so uh you know we had uh, people going to the different kiosks at the time getting the food at the same time so uh we've learned how to get through it a little easier
2: i'm not sure if it's if the the event itself is more crowded or if it's just that our group becomes more crowded so we feel (laughs) (laughs) like boy this place is really crowded this year but we continue to gather more and more people that come along with us
1: yeah we um each year i think this is our, our third year of doing this um we do what I, I just call a walkabout, which is where we start at, at the entrance to World Showcase from Future World. And we make our way. This year we did it clockwise. Last year we started counterclockwise and hit all the kiosks. And you're right. As the, as the group gathered, I was a little frightened <laughs> at how we were going to manage so many people uh, walking through and being able to sample everything at the same time. And we found along the way people went ahead, people lagged behind. Some people drank more than they ate, so they were a little bit slower <laughs> than others. Um,
5: Sorry. But
1: it's made for uh, a different well, – but so, Lori, you were there last year. You joined us in the walkabout again because you, you do so totally rock. Was there anything or any part of it that you saw maybe was better or different than last year that you enjoyed more?
5: Yeah, I don't know if it just seemed more crowded. I mean I've, I've heard reports that it's been really crowded. But yeah, we had like what, a group of 50 people when we started out or more. Yeah. But uh, I think I found more foods I enjoyed this year compared to last year, though.
1: Well, and I think, one, there was something else that was different about this year. And, Mary Jo, I want to speak to you about this because this event kicked off on October 1st, which also was Walt Disney World's 39th anniversary, Epcot's 20-something, 28th. Uh, But they introduced something new this year, which was... The Wine and Dine Half Marathon and Relay Race, and Mickey's Halloween Family Fun Run and 5K, and the Wine and Dine Half Marathon After Party. And I want to sort of touch on those a little bit because each one of us participated in that in different areas. Mary Jo, you, like Steve, are part of the WDW Radio Running Team. You guys were smart or crazy enough to participate in the Wine and Dine Half Marathon. Just briefly tell us about what that event and how that was so very different from some of the other endurance events that Disney has put on in the past.
6: Okay, well, first of all, um, all of these events, running events, occurred on the opening weekend of the Food and Wine Festival, um, which I guess is a plus and a minus. It was, you know, a lot of people were very, very excited about Food and Wine starting. Lots of people in town for both, both events. Um, Lori and I actually did the 5K together with my kids, and that was just absolutely fantastic. That was the first time that they've had a 5K that has gone through the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. Um, so that was neat and interesting. Um, and Lori maybe can um, expand on that. But the Wine and Dime Half Marathon was... Crazy. I mean, it was so much fun, but it was so different for me. I've never participated in a race that started at 10 p.m., um, let alone where the after party um, ended at 3 a.m. (laughs) So, um, you know, doing the 5k in the morning, um, getting up for it around 5, by the time I got back to my room after the half marathon that night, I'd almost been up 24 hours. So, that was one exhausting day, but um, filled with lots of fun and a lot of great memories. I think the, the half marathon, and Steve can elaborate on this as well, uh, was very well done. I was really, really excited about the course uh, we, when we got out to Animal Kingdom, um, some really unusual things that I never had seen at any of the Disney races before, lots of different character interactions. They had some of the spectro, spectro Magic floats out with the characters with their lights on and everything, and that was really cool. And um, just unusual in that perspective, and running sometimes literally in the dark uh, was kind of crazy, and it seemed that the course was really uh, packed with runners. And so uh, that was fun. But what really a lot of people are talking about was the after party. And when we ended at the, um, um, what is it called, the entrance into Epcot? The International Gateway.
1: The, N- International Gateway?
6: the International Gateway. We run in there, and Epcot was jam-packed. And I don't think anyone realized how many tickets that Disney had sold people that weren't participating in the half marathon and um, it was just crazy Uh, you could barely move there were people laid out everywhere as well so uh, which I've never seen that in a Disney race I don't know why that was but um, there was also some issues with uh, picking up people's bags at the end people uh, had talked about having to wait over an hour to get their checked bag and then just a lot of lines at the kiosk in World Showcase. Um, I had a good time, but I didn't have to pay any extra for it. Now, I heard some other people like Becky saying, you know, if they don't do something to help spread these people out across the park, you know, I'm not sure that this is worth the extra $35 or whatever the ticket was.
1: Well, I, I want to talk with all of you <clears throat> excuse me, about the after-party because we all did participate in it. Um, but Steve, for the run itself, did you find that the 10 o'clock starting time, did you like the nighttime race? Did you think it was too late in the day? Was it just too long of a day or too late in the night to be running?
0: No, I, I kind of liked it because on marathon weekend, you're getting up at 3 in the morning, and uh, for this, you know, you just went about your day, and I Went into it knowing that I wasn't going to go for record time, so I ate regular meals during the day and knew it was going to be a lot of fun doing it. But uh, it was really cold going into the right into the party. It was like a New Year's party going on, and uh, within a couple minutes, crossing the finish line, I was eating a uh, lobster scallop fisherman's pie and having <laughs> Guinness. And uh, we learned from my experience from. The, uh, t- the the Tower of Terror race, if you get your bag checked and you get cleaned up and change, you lose a lot of the moment. So we just decided we're all going to stink and be sweaty and start partying, and that's like a better way to go.
1: Well, you almost had to, and to Mary Jo's point, this was first weekend of Food and Wine Festival, so you do get a lot of people that come down because it's first weekend. You get a lot of locals who come out because it's the weekend. And also with the race and the special ticket, there's even more people. So Food and Wine Festival was relatively crowded that day. But that party seemed like the most crowded I had ever seen World Showcase, save for when I was there for the Millennium Celebration. And you almost felt as though you paid for some level of exclusivity with the ticket. And you got just the opposite. Lori or Lisa, did you guys get that same feeling? Uh,
5: I Lori was babysitting Mojo's kids. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> right. So you were whining and dining on Cheerios in the oh, room. No, I was I'm listening sorry. to the
5: whining kid. The kids were whining. I was, <laughs> was dining. Crying. And and it was funny because I everybody was texting me going, Where are you at, Nepcot? Everybody just assumed I was at the party. <laughs>
0: I was being <laughs> a good
1: friend. I, I just thought you stopped at Cork, Ireland and never moved on. So well, okay. so I apologize. Well, that's a
0: good point, Lou, because I think if Cork, Ireland was on the opposite side. This is true. Uh, I would have brought, it, you know, when you get right at the finish line, and there's Cork, Ireland, and uh, there was the beer stands there also, people just tended to go there and not go anywhere else.
2: I think if you think about it, you know, from a, a perspective of, of being one of just the party goers, Lou. When we were all the way up in Germany, it wasn't as crowded. When we re, when we went back down to the Cork, Ireland area, right, um, to meet up with our our runners, that's when we started getting the really heavy crowds, and that's right where the racers enter the park. So, like like someone mentioned, Becky th- Be- Becky had made the comment that they need to find a way. To distribute people
1: better and that's it's very true. And Valerie you uh, mentioned Germany which is a good point because we had walked over to Germany with the specific intention of going to the Carmel shop and which had just opened not long before and a lot of us were disappointed that all of the pavilions were closed. I think there was maybe this false expectation that at least some of the shops or some of the other dining places in the pavilions would be open but it really was just the food and wine kiosks And that was it. And that's why, again, the lines, especially when all the runners came in, got very, very long very, very quickly because they did obviously have to start spilling over past Cork, Ireland, because that was a very, very long line. And then finding places to sit and eat became an issue for people uh, because it was dark and because there wasn't a lot of, of options to choose from. And I think that's why a lot of people were saying, well, you know what? I'm not sure if this was worth the $35 because other than seeing my runner afterwards, what was the benefit to me? What did I get from the party? And and did you, did anybody say it's worth it because I got X out of it?
2: I know myself, like you said, I was there for my runners and, and that was a wonderful experience. Um, and the group that I was with, we had a great time. Uh, we visited different countries and, uh, and some of the cast members who I'm guessing they were, you know, they had just gotten done working and they weren't actually working any longer. We're really having a good time and and making a good, you know, making it fun for us. But um, you're right that there could be just a little bit something else because you have to remember when people are running a half marathon, that puts the people that are there to meet their runners in that park for an hour and a half. You know, it it takes a long time. You know, it's not like a 5K, kind of like with the Everest run. Most people should have gotten done with that quicker than I did <laughs> and, and had time to go and play in the park. Um, but being – you you really have to kind of brainstorm ways to be able to get that crowd didn't out some.
1: Yeah, I think they could have maybe added some more of a party-type atmosphere, for lack of a better word, to True. the entire party. Uh, promenade, so you sort of felt compelled to walk around other than just to eat. Um, I can't believe I'm actually saying that, but uh, <laughs> I think there was people were maybe looking for something else to do. Um, did any like else the German guys get that
2: lines were doing for us?
1: They were, and, and I and you're right. I applaud them for doing that, but it certainly wasn't um, it wasn't sort of part of the itinerary for the party itself. So exactly. um, I, I wonder. I'm curious to people who are listening who did pay for a party ticket what their response was. I'd love for them to post in the comments section in this week's show notes. Let us know, because I think this feedback is important going forward, because the only way Disney is going to make improvements or make changes is if they hear responses from people. So uh, I'd be very curious to hear what people thought. But listen, let's get to the really important part of the weekend, and that was the whining and dining it- itself as we did the, uh, the walkabout on Friday afternoon. And one of the things that... I want to point out that was different this year that I think is very important, and Elisa, this is part of the reason why I wanted you to be here was they added something to the handout in addition to the normal fold-out map that they gave you with all the different marketplaces on it uh, and sort of a week-by-week schedule of the many, many events, uh, many of which were free. There were book signings and bottle signings and and seminars and things like that. They also handed out something called the Marketplace Discovery Passport. And I comment on this specifically because I think it's a great addition to it, but Elisa, it looks very similar to something that you had last year that you made. I came up
4: with the idea to put together a book last year because of the walkabout you guys did the year before when Lou couldn't remember the names of anything. <laughs> <laughs> he kept calling things Manquiche and... <laughs> So I just thought a book with a little bit of a scoring system would make it easier to remember as we went around World Showcase. Um, And yes, they put out the Discovery Passport this year, and there are some similarities. Um, I actually took mine back the week after we did the walkabout and got mine stamped because I didn't have time to do that while we were doing the walkabout. So I have one that's filled with stamps for
1: each country. Yeah, and that as was something a, that was a souvenir. Uh, yeah, a little bit different. Um, and again, we didn't get a chance to do it because of the way that we were experiencing food and wine. And I think at the end, when we talk about some of our tips, that's going to be one that we we mentioned. But yeah, they they didn't have a rating system inside, but they did have country by country all of the different food items as well as all the different beverage items. And it really was more of a checklist kind of thing because the map is a little difficult to go through and read and check off the things that you've done. This sort of put them in order in a uh, in a clockwise destination, I believe. And so you can check off each of the ones that you visited. And if you went up with your passport, they would give you the stamp of completion. So it really was like a true, like the kids' passports, you now have a, a food and wine passport. But I think it's a, a welcome addition to those of us who enjoy walking around. Did any of you guys go back again or other than the walkabout? Um, what do you guys think of, of the passports?
0: It was great because it does, it's small and it has everything you need to know and it fits in your pocket. So uh, compliments of the Disney vacation club.
4: Yeah. I, th- I was glad to see they didn't charge for it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. I agree.
4: I think it's nice for people that are
2: waiting in line so they can take a look and see what's coming up next.
1: The thing I think um, – I think why this is valuable is because I think most sane people don't try and hit all 28 kiosks in the same day. They want to walk through and they want to hit, you know, maybe four or five. So it gives you an easy way to browse through it and say, OK, let's, let's circle this one because I, need, I want to go and go to Poland to get the pierogies or I want to go to South Korea and try something a little bit more exotic we did go through, and, and I'm actually going to post a video, um, as soon as I edit down all seven hours of it, of our walkabout and some of our favorites from the uh, the different kiosks. But let's sort of talk, because there were a few, I think, that a lot of us agreed on uh, that were some of our favorites. Um, Steve, I'm going to ask you first, as long as we're talking about things like man Quiche, was there anyone... That when you think about Food and Wine Festival and, and maybe a newbie comes to you and says, Steve, what's the one thing that I've got to try when I go? What's the first thing that comes to mind?
0: The Belgian waffle. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: thing. <laughs> yes. I, You're like the, a five-year-old. You go right for the dessert.
0: And, you know, you, you think, well, it might be like an ego waffle. But they were these real fresh, fluffy waffles. They were Delicious.
5: Did you get a bite? Because I think Wyatt ate the whole thing in one. <laughs> yeah, one serving. <laughs> I bought
0: multiple. Yeah, they bought multiples. Yeah, they were they were good. They uh, that's something I I remember that stuck out the most that was new. I really
6: like I liked how it was so crisp on the outside on the edges, but really soft and moist on the inside. And the berry compote that went with it was just oh. so delicious. It complemented it perfectly, and it also had the whipped cream on top.
1: Now is that your review or your son's review? Because I think he ate like <laughs> six of them at the table.
5: I don't even know if he tasted it. <laughs> <laughs> 80 is
6: responsible for his
5: etiquette,
1: by the way. <laughs> Val, what about for you? Is there one uh, one that maybe sticks out for you as as the best uh, on the? Uh, and it's hard to generate the you know the best, but one of the ones that was your favorite.
2: It's I think you kind of. You have to separate your your savory uh, pieces from your dessert pieces. Um, I still like the Bailey's um, the Bailey's dessert in Cork, Ireland. It's I, I'd say that's my favorite. Give me read the description. The Lava cake,
0: chocolate lava, cake. The the lava
2: cake. cake with Bailey Irish cream ganache. Yes. Mm. I'm sorry, Mary Jo, I'll get it right
0: But uh, Speaking of Ireland, uh, that fisherman's pie was still popular this year. But uh, you always hear of comfort food being used. But after the half marathon, within 10 minutes, sitting down and having a hot uh, lobster scallop fisherman's pie, it just
1: was really good.
6: Yeah, it was perfect. And I had two. Don't tell anybody. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Nobody's listening. Don't worry. Um, Lori, was there one, maybe a non-dessert item on the uh, on the menu that, that stuck out for you?
5: <clears throat> <laughs> this year was like the year of desserts for me. I don't know. Um, how about a Singapore sling? That's not a dessert. <laughs> 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 um, no, see, I still go back to the fisherman's pie if it's a non-dessert item. Dessert items, I mean, the lava cake got to run for its money this year
1: but the lobster and scallop fisherman's pie. And I think the reason why a lot of us like that is because, and we continue to give it a five out of five stars every time we review it, is because it's filled with big pieces of lobster meat and crab meat. It's a big portion, and it's also a pretty good value, especially compared to some of the other ones on the key, on the promenade as well. Remember, all these items pretty much range from about 3 to $7, uh, which is a, is a nice way to sort of get a samplings of different tastings without having to sort of break the bank except because of the way we did it. Um, But some certainly were were better values than others. And when we talk about some of our, or maybe our least favorites or least impressive dishes or kiosks, there's one that sticks out in my mind very much so. But the lobster, I mean, you could sort of make one of, you can go to Cork, Ireland, get the fisherman's pie, the cheese selection and the lava cake, and that's your meal. And it might cost you 12, you know, $13.
2: But then you have to go uh, and get one more dessert up in Australia. The lamb the chocolate covered butter cake. Now, that's kind of like dessert dessert. So you go and you have your molten lava thing and then you go up and then you have this too.
5: And then you have to have the cannoli in in Italy, though. See, those are like the three desserts that were. Mm. Yeah, but I think it's still the chocolate lava cake. Help
1: me out here. Help me out here, because I know you hit it more than once. There's got to be something else other than Ireland and drinks that that appeal to you from food and wine.
4: Well, for me, a perennial favorite is uh, the tuna sensation. Yes. In Japan. I I enjoy that. One of the new things that I enjoy that a lot of folks were commenting was very spicy was, I believe, in South Africa. It had a beef with a, like a mango barbecue sauce. I enjoyed that, but I like spicy.
5: Right. What about the spicy um, coconut braised beef in uh, Singapore that was really hot? See, you can't
4: get spicy enough for me. So that no. I enjoyed that. I also like the... Um, China had some decent offerings this year. Last year, it didn't fare very well with us.
1: Right, we had, I, we had marked off that China was, was a, a pleasant surprise. That was the... Uh, Zingjiang barbecue chicken stick, and it sounds like something relatively pedestrian, but it had a very unique flavor to it. Um, and, and that's why I sort of marked that one off specifically as, as a nice surprise. We weren't expecting that's that. That's very good. Uh, now one, of the, one of the things that was new this year, too, speaking of some of the things that were new, South Korea was another one that was new this year. They had lettuce wraps with roast pork and kimchi slaw, barbecue short ribs with steamed rice and cucumber kimchi, honey ginger cheese, and two other drinks that I can't pronounce but I know that one of them is a black raspberry rice wine. Uh, Ooh, which was you- not good at all. No. What what did you guys think if you remember or if you happen to have your books handy like I do about South Korea, one of the, one of the new offerings this year.
0: I really enjoyed the lettuce wraps. Uh the pork was good and it was a pretty nice portion. So uh good. And the, uh the ribs were they were tasty also. I I think they did well for the first year.
2: I think so, too. I remember thinking that as we were doing our walkabout.
1: Yeah, we tried to be fair, too, because we realized, I think, last year that we, you, know, you start off strong and everything is like a five. And by the time you get seven hours later and you've been eating all day, it's tough to have something rise to the top. So we tried to adjust as we could. That being said, one of the first couple of kiosks that we hit, which, again, I thought was going to be probably like, China because Mexico has a pavilion we all have eaten Mexico food Mexican food before but the tamale the tamal con pollo was really really good and something completely different than what you get even now at La Hacienda or inside at the San Angel Inn um, and I think that was one that we gave a five as well as Argentina's grilled beef skewer with chimichurri sauce and Boniato plate and again we also mark those as good values for the dollar as well.
5: Yeah, it's I like the, the uh, Bacardi Frozen Torch Cherry Colada thing. At <laughs> did you eat anything at Food and Wine, or did you just you just skip the food and desserts and, parts? and drinks? <laughs> but it's very it was very expensive though for what you got. It was a very bad value, but it was still very very cool and refreshing on a hot day.
1: Yeah, and it's and, and one of the things too. And again, we talk about us eating this all in in one sitting. You can't and you should not try and do with food and wine. And this is one of the tips I think we're all going to give later. Is you need to experience it over uh, a number of different days, and also allow yourself to try some of these new things. You know, look through your look through your book and say, okay, I know I've got to have the pierogies in Poland. I know I've got to try the spicy tuna roll or, or the tuna sensation over in Japan. But let yourself. Expand your palate a little bit um, Was there anything else That you guys looked at that was A really nice surprise for you That maybe you didn't think that you were, were going to like uh, And really enjoyed
6: I, I like or, or something you wanted to go Ser- back for
1: I'm sorry, Mary Jo, go ahead
6: I'm sorry, um, I like the Sear Bear Monday, I don't know if y'all remember that uh, In Australia It had the blistered cherry tomatoes And the arugula with the lemon, lemon oil
1: Right, the, uh, the the seared barramundi fish, you're right. I remember. I remember what, yeah. Because we, we mentioned that it was nice and light and things like that, and it was something, the way it was served was also different than a lot of the other meals on the promenade as well. Val, what about for you? Anything else to sort of jump out at you?
2: Not anything in particular, but one thing that I have picked up, I think, from our three years of doing a walk about it, food and wine, is I think it's really easy for people to, you know, go into a restaurant and say, you know, I'm, I'm paying for my food and I want it this way. But one thing that I have picked up and learned from this experience because they're just small bites is to taste the food the way that the chef wants you to taste it. Don't take the lettuce off. Don't, you know, say no sauce. Just taste it the way that he created it and, and then, you know, enjoy it that way. And, and in doing that, I think... I have enjoyed it more every year because I've done that and I've learned new things about new countries.
1: I think that's a great point. I think it's a great point. Allow yourself to experience it exactly the way it was intended and and again, not after having 27 other meals before you finally get... (laughs) And and by the way, I have to give a big thumbs up to New Zealand because that was the last one on our list. It was literally 9 o'clock at night. Illuminations was kicking off. And somebody, I think it was probably Alisa, because she was the one running ahead most of the day, along with Steve, brought back a whole bunch of lamb sliders with tomato chutney. And for that to jump up and get a five plus at the end of the day, you know that had to be really, really good. True. It was good enough that I went back. (laughs) 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 um, You know, along with some of the ups, uh, you know, we we couldn't give a five to everything because we did want to try and give everything. As accurate a, a review as we could And again, I think sometimes the individual di- dishes Can separate themselves from the of kios- uh, the actual kiosks as a whole Was there one dish that you said You know what, this has been here for two years It's really not doing it for me And or was there a kiosk Maybe that you were a little disappointed Because it either changed or something new And you didn't like it um, let, Let's go ahead and start off with Lori
5: all I did was drink and
1: eat desserts, <laughs>
5: and they were all good. So
1: everything tasted good to you.
5: Except for that wine, but, you know, that was new this year, so. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I can't think of anything that I had this year that I had last year that I didn't enjoy.
1: Again, that's because you had nine Singapore slings, and then we're babysitting kids. Mary Jo, what about <laughs> what about you? <clears throat>
6: um, I can't think of a particular pavilion that overall did not you know turn me on or anything but you know there were a few that were funny along the way i was just thinking about this is not answering the question at all but i was thinking about germany and the
1: nürnberger sausage in the pretzel roll it <laughs>
3: was know, that <laughs> <laughs> and and it was good though and that
1: was and it, well let's just let's just touch on germany real quick because as long as you <laughs> mention it because germany was one of the ones which was very much a surprise to me. Um, I think I was expecting something like I would normally get maybe over at Summerfest. But they did have three items. Um, they started. They had an apple strudel with Werther's, because they are now the sponsor of the new candy store, caramel sauce. They had the Nuremberg sausage in a pretzel roll, a like a nine-foot-long sausage in like a one-foot-long roll. And they had a Spätzle with ham and cheese. And this is the one that we all sort of stopped That's and awful. said...
0: Yeah.
7: This is comfort
1: food. This yeah. is what you eat like on a cold northeast day in front of, you know, at a football game or something. And it was very, very and there were actually people there who were from Germany as part of our group and said, Yeah, this is exactly this is authentic. This is the way it would be made at home and it's exactly how it's supposed to be enjoyed on one of those cold German days in front of the football game. Did you
3: guys come? Tonight kind of the in Illinois. Way? <laughs>
5: right. Or <We're laughs> Pennsylvania.
1: Here in southwest Florida where it's 106 <laughs> degrees in October. But you understand the point. Um, and it goes to what you're saying. We like the idea of – I think this was one of those examples where you truly learned about the culture through the food. And having somebody there to verify that really sort of, I think, drove that message home. Yeah, that strudel is
5: amazing. Yeah, all of it was. But,
2: yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't expect that. Uh, especially, you know, there's a lot of German food in Pennsylvania, and uh, we've been to many different German restaurants um, even on vacations before, and so when we went there, I just thought, well, I guess we'll try it, and I was impressed with every one of the things that they had in in their
1: repertoire there. Well, and, and to that same point, we mentioned uh, Singapore, uh, which was a couple of kiosks before that, as having extremely strong flavors, and liked it or didn't like it, that was one of the things that we said, okay, is this, how, is this the way maybe traditional food in Singapore is served? You know, love it or hate it, if you were looking for a, a kick or very intense flavors, that's what you got from Singapore and, it, and whether you enjoyed it or not, you sort of got the sense that, okay, I am tasting the true flavors of Singapore but on the opposite end of the spectrum, and, and I hate to, to say this, but the one that I was unfortunately disappointed in and I, and, and I hold my hand up to my heart when I say this and salute the flag, was the United States. Right. A- and there was two reasons why. There were two items on the menu. One was a bison chili with wild mushrooms, cabernet, and pepper jack cheese. The other was, were heirloom tomatoes with Oregon blue cheese, red onions, and basil. And I was disappointed in each of these for different reasons. And you guys, please feel free to chime in for each. The red, the, the bison chili was very, very good. But it was an extremely small portion, especially compared to things that you got from other kiosks. And the heirloom tomatoes, I just didn't feel that that was, you know, American culture, American flavors are so diverse. We have so much to offer. And to choose tomatoes with blue cheese and onions may not have been for me for somebody coming to America the most representative food um, mm-hmm. does anybody have a and you can f- please feel free to disagree yeah Lou I was
0: I was real yeah, excited was- about the bison chili I was I was thinking that would be one of the highlights this year but it was uh, it was tasty but it uh, was a small portion so you really didn't get a good feel for it
6: yeah yeah I was gonna say that Steve and I both you know talked about the chili extensively and we both Liked it, but like you said, it was kind of small. Um, but we both said we're huge chili lovers. So that being said, but the you know the salad, I, I see your point, but I think that they do have to offer some things for the vegetarians, and maybe this was something they could throw in there um, to um, you know help that crowd out.
1: I, I don't disagree with you, and I think and I think that you make a good point. I think that they're. There are, and there always should be, uh, vegetarian items on there. There should be items. And uh, as a quick aside, <clears throat> much like any time you visit Walt Disney World, if you have allergies or dietary needs or requirements, you can go up to the kiosks, and they will bring out a chef and talk to you. So if you have a gluten allergy or a peanut allergy, they will come out. We actually spoke with somebody who had a very specific allergy. The, sh- the head chef, Chef Yen, came out. And marked off on her book and in her map every kiosk that she could eat at and specific items on the menu that she could have. So if you do have allergies or concerns that way, they will most definitely uh, accommodate you. Going back to your point, Mary Jo, about vegetarian items, I think there are a number of them on there. I think they could certainly expand on that some more. But I just don't think when you look, thinking of America and the different flavors across the 50 states – That maybe tomatoes would be the one that I would have chosen or at least add one more on there. Give me some. Like last year, that Louisiana gumbo, I had like 19 cups of it. (laughs) Not because I was, they were small, but because it was awesome. And it had, you know, that true sort of Louisiana flavor to it. And there was Tabasco sauce and you're like, yeah, this is, that's a flavor of America right there. And I just didn't get that with the tomato.
4: See, I had hopes that they were going to start representing different regions each year of the United States. I had kind of hoped that maybe they would pick a different state or maybe the Midwest or the Northeast or uh, the Pacific Northwest and represent that each year. But it doesn't look like that's what they're going to do.
0: Well, there was the there was the hops and barley kiosk also. So that had the. uh, crab cake and the lobster roll, so you did have a little of the diversification East. there. Yeah. But right. And that there was almost sort year. of like,
1: Yeah, that was sort of like the Northeast America kiosk. It's sponsored by Sam Adams. There was like maybe 10 different Sam Adams beers there, and you're right. There was the Boston-style crab cake, the New England lobster roll, and the pecan bread pudding. Um, and I remember that the bread pudding was very good. Lobster roll was a little small, but tasty. Not the best value, because I think it was maybe $7.00 with a lobster roll but yeah that I mean it's not a, a criticism as much more of a hope for next year and I think you articulated it very well that I'd like to see sort of an ongoing diversification of the flavors of America represented um, each and every year and again it gives you a reason to keep on coming back so anything else anything else stick out to you guys about either the event or the kiosks or the the way it was run or the flow or anything start off with Val
2: I'd like to see some new, some more new things and change, change it up a little bit. Uh, of course, just as you mentioned with the gumbo, why couldn't they have kept the gumbo? But there's so many other things that they've been playing off of every year that, um, I don't know, I'd like to see it add, add a little bit more diversity. Because what I can see is if they don't continually add enough diversification during the food and wine and you're only getting one maybe two new kiosks or maybe you know three maybe four new things to try then after about five years what's the point of going back there
1: (laughs) well there's there's always going to be a point to going back as long as they have food me and steve are going back don't worry molten Uh,
5: lava cake (laughs) yeah okay
1: as long as they have desserts and drinks Lori's going to be there don't worry that's right um Alisa, let me ask you about something a little bit different because I know you did get a chance to go back a couple of the times and you do spend um, really an inordinate amount of time at Food and Wine <laughs> Festival. Uh, one thing that we didn't get to participate in but is really for a lot of people an important part are things like the concerts, the free concerts, as well as the merchandise. Now, each year they have the Eat to the Beat concert series, which are free, like Food and Wine. It's free with your admission to Epcot. It was a. Uh, there were a lot of '80s bands. It was Taylor Dane and Cool and the Gang. Air Supply was there. Howard Jones. There's also Night Ranger, Billy Ocean, Starship, Boys to Men. Johnson Henson is going to be there. Rick Springfield, and it ends with Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Um, are the concerts and/or the merchandise something that is an important element to you? And then, if so, what did you think about the lineup of both this year?
4: Um, you know, the the concerts. This was my 11th Food and Wine Festival, so mm-hmm. I've I've seen them morph over the years. The concerts is one thing that doesn't really change from year to year. You get a few new groups. They all tend to be within the same cali- caliber. You don't get anybody who's necessarily a superstar. Air but Supply, come on. Come on. Greenfield, Greenfield, <laughs>
0: oh
4: my gosh. <laughs> I, miss, I, I did want to see Air Supply this year, but they were there after I was there. I did get to see Taylor Hicks. Um, they're, they're a nice addition for me. I don't go out of my way to see them. But if there's a concert coming up and there's some place to sit, when I, when I happen to wander by that part of the park, I'll stop and uh, enjoy the concert. But I don't go hustling back from future world to catch a concert. Um,
1: I think they're I, I think ind- remember too, food and wine does draw a lot of locals from Florida. It does. So I think this is a it can make certain evenings a destination for them because, you know, your wife has got to go see air supply and get in the front row or, you know, throw her hands up for Rick Springfield. So I think for those people maybe, instead of saying, Okay, we're gonna travel to Walt Disney World for food and wine Let's revolve it around the Eat to the B concert series for the locals. It gives them a reason to come out on a specific night.
5: Yeah, I has been
4: there for every concert. Yeah. <laughs> the experience going to Food and Wine Festival during a weekday, totally different from going on the weekend. Um, you could roll a bowling ball sometimes down through World Showcase on a weekday at lunchtime. And that doesn't
1: happen on a weekend. So would that be maybe one of your, your best tips is just if you can, go to Food & Wine during the week?
4: Avoid the weekends if you want to avoid the lines and crowds. Okay. So during the week when I went to uh, Belgium, the week after the walkabout, it was almost a walk-up to get a waffle. During that first weekend, I can't tell you how long, how long did you have to wait, Steve,
0: to get the waffle? It was a pretty long wait. It was probably a 20-minute wait to get the waffle. But uh, we were there this past weekend, and it was very crowded. It's still on a Saturday night. Yeah, the
4: locals come out in droves.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
4: It's a great day. Think about it. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a date, either with your spouse or your girlfriend, take her to the Food and Wine Festival.
1: Did anybody go to not just the kiosks, but maybe the festival center over at the old Wonders of Life Pavilion? Uh, and look yes. specifically for any of the merchandise. Yes. Uh, what did you think of the merchandise this year? What kind of merchandise is offered? And maybe how does it compare with, with previous years?
4: Each year, the merchandise has a, a little bit different look because they have uh, like an art work that's done specifically for the Food and Wine Festival. It wasn't really my taste this year. It was a little Art Nouveau. Um, it was a... It creeped me out a little bit, <laughs> you know, um, the The assortment's about the same, but that chef on the bicycle with the weird mustache, I think, would give me nightmares
1: after a few drinks. Lori, <laughs> how did it look to you after your drinks?
5: It looked like he was floating through the air on his little bicycle, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can certainly get a lot of cookbooks and even some ingredients and there were some uh, – unique items on the promenade. I would have liked to see, you know, like I wanted to bring my wife home a food and wine t-shirt and there wasn't anything really that sort of jumped out. The one that they had for sale was pink and it had a three-tiered cake made out of a map with a 15 on top and it almost didn't sort of scream food and wine to me and I didn't purchase it for that reason because it would have made you think that I bought it for my wife's 15th birthday, which was just a couple of years ago. Um, just in case she's listening. <laughs> Um, so that was the one thing that I had noticed, but so, so Lori, what would maybe be your best tip for somebody coming to food and wine?
5: Go on a diet before you get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never really been there during the week for food and wine. It always seems like I'm there that weekend, but yeah, you know, pace yourself, hit all the desserts and all the booze.
1: Mary Jo, what about for you? Your, your sort of best tip for somebody, uh, and again, let's assume, maybe let's talk about it in terms of the marathon, if they are going to do that marathon again in the same format as last year.
6: Okay. Well, I actually have a couple other tips that pertain to just actually the food and wine, but as far as the marathon, I would say try, if, if they ever have the 5K and a half on the same day, don't do both that's just crazy and i know the reason why they did it that way so that it could do the um party the mickey's uh, not so scary halloween party for the 5 k runners the next night so um to make that all work out i'm sure that's why they did it but don't think you're you know hercules or something and try to do both it's just it's too much i think in my opinion Um, But as far as the food and wine, I had two things. Uh, You were talking about the flow, and I felt like whenever we started the beginning of the day, everybody, you know, either starts out in Mexico or they start in Canada, you know, on either side. What if you took a friendship boat over to the other side to kind of steer clear of the bottlenecking there? Um, I really felt like with our big crowd, when we were in the Puerto Rico, Chile area, it was just crazy. I mean, I didn't have a clue who was with us and not. So um, that would be something that you might would look at. The other thing um, is bring your kids. I have learned that my kids love food, and we really found some of the strangest things uh, that they love by going to the food and wine festival. Um, Emily, two years ago, I bought her, she wanted to try the escargot. And it's kind of a little joke, but um, she loves escargot. She talks about it all the time. We need to go back to Epcot, so I'm going to have the escargot. Um, so take your kids. It is very educational, and uh, maybe you will teach them to be a suitie in the making. So
0: I that's think it's your- a great and-
1: point because we don't we didn't really talk about kids. We talked about this as sort of an adult event, but... You're right, there's certain – and nothing that would restrict you from bringing your kids. And, again, as as long as they're of a certain age, I think they would get something out of it as well.
6: Right. And also, you know, Val and Steve were talking about how they never – they feel like they're getting a little tired of some of the booths and hope that they will bring uh, some new booths in. I've never really had the opportunity to experience as many as I did this year with the walkabout because usually what happens is I get there – I eat a few things at three booths, and I eat the whole portion, and then I'm stuffed. So um, this was great for me to be able to try a wide variety, you know, one bite of many different things.
1: Yeah, and being able to share it with the group and not having to feel like you had to finish an entire portion yourself made it a lot easier. Obviously, Steve, I'm not speaking about you. Um, But it, it is a great way to sort of just get a taste and a sample And then move on. Uh, I think my last tips um, are relatively general. One thing we didn't mention, but in addition to the passport, uh, something you really should get as soon as you get to food and wine is the gift card that you can wear on your wrist. It's sort of an elastic uh, credit card that, that goes around your wrist that you can load up with cash. This way, when you do get up to the kiosk, they just swipe that card or they scan that card. You don't have to worry about doing the room charges or uh, paying in cash. It makes the process much, much faster. Uh, I also think that you should pace yourself, and I don't mean just for the day, but I think that you need to give yourself, if you can, more than one day at Food and Wine Festival. I think that's why this becomes, for many people, a destination event. I think that you sort of go on your normal Walt Disney World vacation if you can, if this is the place you go to every year. For many people... If they're able to go a second time, <coughs> excuse me, they come back for this, specifically for food and wine, so that they, they can enjoy it over a period of days. Uh, it's things that you do in the afternoons, in the evenings. You can make your date nights, like you said, out of it. Um, and you can also enjoy some of the seminars, and you can really expand it beyond just uh, sampling all the food items. Lori, I actually disagree with you. I think you leave the calorie counter at home. You're (laughs) going to walk it off on the promenade. Look, this is the time to indulge yourself. This is the time. We know we all want to go to Walt Disney World. We allow ourselves to be kids again in all different ways. This is the one where you say, you know what? I'll make up for it uh, on the back end. I'll make up for it when I go home, or just convince yourself like I do that walking around the the two miles or so of the promenade is enough to walk off as many lobster and scallop fisherman's pie and lava cakes as you can, uh, as you can totally indulge yourself in. So, <laughs> uh, this for me, guys, and I and you know, tell me if you uh, agree or not. Is by far one of the things I look forward to most every year. I like coming to Walt Disney World for the holidays. Certainly, I like some of the other. Events like the marathon weekend has now become again that sort of destination weekend event, but food and wine for me, uh, I think it sort of gets better later in as it goes on because it's maybe not as hot. I mean, October first was was unseasonably hot this year. If you're going to spend an entire day starting in the early, you know, the early afternoon, going later in the year might be a little bit cooler. That might be another tip, but this is definitely a destination event for me. Um, so to that end, I have a feeling that I'll be seeing all of you probably next year for the sixteenth annual Food and Wine Festival. Definitely we will.
2: Right.
1: Any uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, we'll go Valerie, Steve, Elisa, Lori, and Mary Jo.
2: Okay, parting thoughts. Um tips that I would give is if you're gonna do if you if you're there for food and wine and you're concentrating on food and wine, staying in one of the Uh, Epcot Resorts is a great idea, just walking to and from your hotel. We enjoy that. Um, Also, as you had said, Lou, uh, spreading it over several days. And also, you know, especially because of the heat, if you spread it over several days and concentrate on being there in the evening, because there's nothing better than World Showcase in the evening. Um, I would like to see each country say maybe... Get a new food item every year. You can keep whatever you want, but get, get one more new thing, something just to sprinkle in something new for us. Also, what I enjoyed a lot this year that I haven't in the past is that if you're going to make this a long weekend, when you're there for food and wine, apparently you're always going to find that um, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party might be, be available for that long weekend also. We've never experienced that before. We did that this year. And my last tip is to try to travel with a group of less than 50 people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very well said. Uh, Lisa, what about for you? Parting thought?
4: Um, You know, since I've been going for so many years, I have to say that I've seen a lot of changes come to the Food and Wine Festival. One of the positive changes is that information is available sooner as a result of the internet, Now you get them posted several weeks in advance on the Disney website so you can do a little bit of planning. Um, That's helpful. Also, if you're on the dining plan, your snack credits can be used for any non-alcoholic item around World Showcase, and that's often a good value. The biggest change for for the better that I've experienced is you get to experience the Food and Wine Festival with a whole bunch of friends, and it's always better when you share it with friends.
1: Here, here. Agreed. Great oh, points. Great, great points. Uh, Lori, what about it for you?
5: Um, I would like to see pretzel bread added to Canada. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And rum tasting. Ooh, <laughs> dumb. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about that that's about it. And you know, get you get the rum in there. But no, it, it I totally agree. It's always better experience it with a bunch of friends.
1: Absolutely. Uh, did I get everybody? Joe.
6: Oh just one last thing um, I wanted to just reiterate About taking your kids um, They will really really love it And it really expands their horizons um, But also Does anybody want to go with me to the Rick
1: Springfield concert? <laughs> oh, I'm doing jazz <laughs> hands over here I do I do
6: <laughs> Oh my gosh Sixth grade crush Hello
5: <laughs>
1: Yes I always telling? miss all the good ones <laughs> I heard Glenn cried at air supply, but I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I, I think all of your points uh, certainly are great. I, I think if somebody who has maybe never been to food and wine or maybe had a misconception of what food and wine really is, should give yourself time to experience it. And if you've never been there before, make a special trip out to go and check it out. Let yourself enjoy it in all the different ways. Let yourself have the opportunity to learn about the cultures through their food Expand your palate. Don't be afraid to try something once, three, four, five dollars, to see what a some a, a meal from Singapore or South Africa that you might not be able to get anywhere else. Otherwise, uh, it is a great way to spend time. And again, it's just another way to enhance uh, an already amazing vacation at Walt Disney World. So, the Drew family, Valerie and Steve, Alisa Sharp, Mary Jo Collins, and Lori Burke. My friends, you guys made the walkabout for me. It really wasn't about the food. It is truly about the time spent with family and friends. So I thank all of you for joining me on the walkabout and on the show tonight. Thank you for
2: having me. Thanks for having us.
1: I wanted to formally announce something that I tested last week to some of you who follow me over on Twitter and on Facebook and who got a message about something that I was going to test out and sort of experiment on this past Wednesday. It was something a little bit different than what I normally do on the WDW Radio Live video broadcasts and chats and what I do on the podcast and in the videos. And now in the past on the show... I usually covered Walt Disney World news and some visits to the Walt Disney World rumor mill on the show. But in an effort to have evergreen content, to keep the show fresh for those of you that may find the show now and then go back and listen to older episodes, I didn't want you to have to go and listen to old news or hear rumors about what may or may not come. Certainly things will be irrelevant possibly months or years later. Also, because of my recording time and my schedule and the schedule of when news would come out, the length of the show, lots of other reasons, it was difficult uh, and I didn't really like the way I was able to include the news and rumors into the show. But also, there was something else that I wanted to do with the news segment that I wasn't sure how to do and I had an idea a few months ago of something that I wanted to try out but hadn't really been able to test or implement it for a while, again, because of my time and the schedule of the show. I did find that when the news was not being covered on the podcast, many of you did email me or post on Facebook or Twitter that you did enjoy the news segments on the show. And that's why what I tested out this past week was a test, because I wanted to try out something a little bit different. The idea that I had was that I wanted the news to be more than just a one-way conversation. I wanted it to be more than me just feeding you the news, telling you what was going on. I wanted it to be interactive. I wanted you to be a part of the news, and in fact, part of the discussion as a whole. So this past Wednesday, I launched the WDW Newscast, where I would bring you the news and maybe some rumors each week through a live video broadcast, as well as interactive chat, which I'd also record and make available on YouTube. This way, if you weren't able to join us for the live broadcast, you could catch the news anytime you want via the YouTube channel or your mobile device. Now, what's going to make these shows different is, again, it's not just me telling you about the news. It's interactive, where you can voice your opinion and thoughts as I'm covering the news, ask or answer questions as well, so it really becomes conversational as opposed to just sort of, again, that one-way broadcast of the news. Again, different than the show, going to try and make these probably about 15 minutes or so, depending on the news of the week. Going to try and also keep to a regular news schedule. Looking right now at about 7.30 or so Eastern Time on Wednesday evenings, that could change depending on the news. Also, if there's something that needs to be discussed, if there's any sort of breaking news, if my schedule has to change, again, this is the reason why you should follow me over on Twitter.com slash Lou Mangiello or W or Facebook.com slash WDW Radio. You'll be notified in case any other additional broadcasts come out as well. So if you want to be part of the discussion and the broadcast, all you need to do is visit WDWNewsCast.com every Wednesday again about 7.30 p.m., We use the same method as we do for the WDW Radio live broadcast. So if you want to engage in the chat, you should sign up for a a free Ustream.tv account. You'll find the link right there on that page. This way, all you need to do is log in on the WDW Newscast page and you can interact in the chat. Ustream is completely free. You don't need to give any credit card information, anything like that. The nice thing about Ustream as well is that you can go to the Ustream website and find the WDW Radio channel there. You can do it right from the WDW Radio Live or the WDW Newscast page. Or if you have an iPhone or an iPad, there's also a free Ustream viewer application where you can not only watch the broadcast, but watch the live chat as well. And if you miss the live broadcast on Wednesdays or whenever there's uh, additional news that may be coming out or if my schedule does have to change, you can still watch the recorded video. All you need to do is go to the WDW Radio channel over on YouTube, which I'll link to in this week's show notes. It's just youtube.com slash WDW Radio. The best way to find out when new videos are going to be posted is to add me as a friend there and also subscribe to the channel. That'll also give you notifications again when I upload new videos there. I'm not going to add the videos to the regular WDW Radio news feed. Again, because doing that would defeat the purpose of having everything that comes into the iTunes feed or your Zoom feed be timely, be evergreen, uh, be things that, for the most part, are not reliant on the news of that moment or specifically of that time period. So I'm going to keep this separate from what you get in your iTunes feed. But again, you can easily subscribe for free over at the YouTube channel. Also, if and when you do watch the show, either live or the recorded version on YouTube, I'd appreciate it if you'd come by and comment over on the YouTube channel as well. And of course, in the spirit of keeping everything interactive, if you have any thoughts, comments, feedback, or suggestions about this new idea, I'd invite you to email me anytime at lou at Again, to learn more, to watch the first video, get more information about what we're doing, get an idea of what it's going to look like, all you need to do is visit the youtube.com slash WDW Radio channel. Again, I'll put that link in the show notes. Please don't forget to come by. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. Or go to facebook.com slash WDW Radio for updates. I hope you like this new idea. Again, it very much is an experiment that will hopefully grow and improve over time. That's why I want to hear from you, get your feedback as well. Hope you enjoy the all-new WDW Newscast, and if you do, as always, all I ask is that you help spread the word and let others know about it. Hope to see you in the box on the next WDW Newscast next Wednesday, again around 7.30 p.m. Eastern. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this week. Hope you enjoyed our look back at the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Hope you get a chance to visit at least once before it ends on November 14th. Or better yet, hope you get a chance to come by and join us for the WDW Radio Walkabout next year in 2011. I want to say thanks to all my guests that joined me on this week's roundtable, as well as everybody that did come by Whether you were there for the whole time or just part of the Walkabout this year, I appreciate you coming out, spending some of the day with us. I am in the process of editing a video of our Walkabout. Stay tuned to the iTunes feed, the YouTube channel, or www.radio.com. I'll be posting that up very, very soon. I'll also have some photos that I'll post in this week's show notes. While you're on the website, don't forget to check out our fun, free, very welcoming discussion forums. Contribute to our photo galleries. Look for the daily blog posts. And come by, shop in the WDW Radio store. There you can get signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books. All five audio guides to Walt Disney World are, on, are now available and shipping on CD. I also have a special, special where if you order all five on CD, you can save on that. You can also download there the free WDW Radio iPhone app and find out all the different ways you can interact and connect with me and the show, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, FriendFeed, YouTube, so, so much more. All those links right on the homepage of www.radio.com. While you're there, especially if you're a new listener, I invite you to please go back either on the site or on iTunes because all the old episodes of www.radio.com are available. You can listen to them right from your browser or download them there or on iTunes. So if you're a new listener, like I said on this week's show, most of the content is evergreen, so you'll have a chance to go back, enjoy vacation planning, interviews, reviews, and so, so much more. Want to make a quick announcement about some upcoming WDW Radio Meets of the Month. Like I said, it's all about interacting and getting to meet you guys and you all meet one another. So that's why every month I have a meet of the month in Walt Disney World. November's meet is going to be the weekend of November 13th. Not sure if it's going to be the 13th on Saturday or Sunday the 14th. I am still trying to finalize details and locations. Stay tuned to the show as well as Twitter and Facebook for more information on that. For December's meet, Uh, that's likely going to be in the first couple of weeks. Also, I'm working on something special for December. Stay tuned for that, and I can tell you ahead of time, January is, as always, going to be over Marathon Weekend. That's the weekend of January 7th, 2011. In February, we're going to have a meet of the month probably before and after the WDW Radio Cruise aboard the Disney Dream. It was just floated out over in Germany this weekend, and we will be sailing on February 27th. We have cabins available inside and outside. A lot more availability just opened up, thanks to Disney. We also have pre-stay and with an Illuminations dessert party on Saturday, February 26th. We have post-stay rates available as well. For more information, to get a quote, new videos, photos, and to order your WDW Radio Cruise logo gear from Cafe Press, you can go and visit www.radiocruise.com. Don't forget, if you want to play Listener Factor or Fiction, I'm getting ready to call a listener randomly to ask him 10 true or false trivia questions about Walt Disney World for a chance to win some prizes. If you want a chance to play, email me at factorfiction at wdwradio.com with your name and your phone number. Or if you just have a question that you want answered on the show, email me at lou at ww.radio.com. Or if you want to be a part of the show, be heard on the air, you can call anytime, the toll-free voicemail line, 888-703-2171. If you don't subscribe to the WW Radio free email newsletter, please come by the website, sign up there. We just launched an all-new newsletter, and we're about ready to send another one out that's going to include new information, articles, links, exclusive special offers, and more. Again, the newsletter is free, and you can sign up right on the homepage of www.radio.com. Speaking of things arriving in your mailbox, the next issue of Celebrations Magazine has been printed, and it should be on your way into your mailbox if you're a subscriber very, very soon. If not, if you want to find out more, order a back issue or subscribe to the magazine. You can go and visit celebrationspress.com. And as always, we're looking for your contributions to the magazine, whether it's a letter to the editor, a photo, or if you have something maybe you want covered or something you want to contribute, again, email me at lou at ww.radio.com. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel, my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. All-Star Vacation Homes has more than 150 homes within five miles of Walt Disney World. And don't forget that if you are a member of the military, a teacher, a school support staff member, nurse, or Florida resident, there are special packages available just for you over at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Links to all of my partners and sponsors are available right on the homepage of www.radio.com. Don't forget to stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook to find out when the next WW Radio Live is, and hope you get a chance to join us for the next WDW newscast every Wednesday about 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Come by, subscribe to the YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash WDW radio in case you miss the live broadcast. You can catch all the news right from the recorded video from the live video stream on our YouTube channel. Finally, if you like the show, and I hope that you do, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link over on Facebook. Please review the show and or the free WW Radio iPhone app over on YouTube. Subscribe and comment to our YouTube channel and so much more. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met or not yet, thank you so much for taking the time and tuning in. So until next time, I hope you had a great, safe, and very happy Halloween. And remember to follow your dream and pursue your passion. And always, always keep moving forward. Thanks again for listening. See ya.
4: This is Chris and Marissa Brzezinski from Knoxville, North Carolina. We are on our way down to Walt Disney World for a much-deserved vacation. It's been over two years since we've been there. Uh, so I just wanted to thank you for your audio guides. We are listening to them, uh, actually, as we speak, in the car, and they are really making the drive go by like nothing. So uh, thanks again, and we'll let you know how the trip is going. Thanks, Lou.
3: Hi, Lou. Hi, Lou. It's Tom and Lynn from Connecticut. It was a pleasure bumping into you again at the Beach Club. If you recall, we were on our way to the first of a four-night run of spectacular dinners. Uh, We attended the signature dinner at the California Grill that night, followed by the signature dinner at the Wonders Retreat, Party for the Senses, and finally the signature dinner at Victoria and Albert's. The California Grill dinner uh, was held in the Sonoma Room in the back of the restaurant. It was hosted by Chef Brian Piazzecchi and sommelier Gary Lee. Seven courses in all, including a 44-year-old port. Fantastic. The Wonders Dinner was at the Old VIP Lounge in the Wonders Pavilion. That was hosted by Chef Jens Dahlman and two gentlemen from Battaciolo Vineyards in Italy. Uh, I think the highlight that evening were three fantastic Barolos, considered the king of the Italian wines. Party for the Fences was wonderful as always, but as you might expect, the V&A dinner was our favorite. Nine courses and ten wines. I think we might have eclipsed even your record for the longest dinner ever. Uh, We arrived at 6 p.m., and we didn't leave the restaurant until midnight, and we were the first ones out the door. All told, uh, a six-hour dinner. Unbelievable. And the time just flew by. I just wanted to share our experience and hope that we can get together with you at the December meet and greet. Take care. Hi, Lou and everyone listening. This is Kenny from West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, October 28th at 7 p.m. was a super-secret Tron night preview of Tron Legacy. At my local IMAX theater, I went and saw 23 minutes of the film. It is very impressive in 3D. Looking forward to it in December. Have a good day. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you.
7: Hey, Lou. This is Art from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, calling you live from Epcot's Food and Wine Festival on Wednesday. Um, I met you on Sunday, and that was very nice to meet you in person on Sunday.
1: I wanted to give you my
7: little review of Viannopoli. I told you we were going to go there Wednesday night for dinner. Uh, Let's just say it was fabulous, Um, anything beyond belief. Uh, We tried all different items. Um, My wife, Lisa, and son, Shelby, both had the chicken parmesan, and that was very good. My daughter, Megan, had the spaghetti and meatballs, and she loved it, and I ordered the pepperoni pizza, and it was fabulous. Um, Just so everyone knows, the pizzas do come out at different times. Um, I, I got my pizza first, and it was about five minutes later the food arrived, which they did tell us ahead of time, and that was fine, so we had no problems with that. Um, the only issue we really had was um, basically we sampled everybody else's dishes, and my wife's chicken parmesan when she got to the end of it, uh, there's a little bone sticking out of it, and which was fine that we you could see it sticking out, but it was a little bit raw, and so we just brought it to the attention of you know of the manager. She just happened to walk by, and we told her, and they were more than apologetic, um, offered to get her a new one. She went ahead and got, was gonna get a new one, and then she asked if she could just get a pizza instead. They said no problem at all. Brought it right out to us, apologized like crazy, which was, you know, not necessary, was no big deal. Um, it took care of us without any issues. Um, we were on the dining plan, and they even took it off my wife's dining plan, and said don't worry about anything. Um, food is covered on hers, so we don't have to worry about it, which, again, didn't really matter. We we're on the dining plan, so they could have taken it anyway. Uh, we all ordered desserts. Um, my son got the gelato, the vanilla. It was very good. And my daughter got the tir- tiramisu. That was very good. And my wife and I both got the, I forgot what they're called, but the little balls. And they are uh, come with like a hot chocolate sauce on the side and whipped cream on the side. And, oh, those were to die for. They are very, very good. I will say the service was definitely very good. Um, they did tell us we could get basically anything on the dining plan,
3: which I had heard
7: they were limiting you to pizzas and stuff. That was not the case in ours. They said we basically get any entree we wanted, and they would just charge us extra for anything else we wanted above that. So, uh, just thought I'd give you our quick review of that. Thanks again, Lou. Bye.
1: The scene was rocking. All were digging the sounds. Igor on chains backed by his baying hounds.
5: The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the Monster Man.
7: It was a graveyard smash. They played
5: the mash.
3: It caught on in a flash. They played the mash. They played the monster mash.